guys, welcome to the latest episode of This Unbelievable Life. I've got my dear friend with me, Carrie Aiken, and she's going to talk about international relations today. Carrie, take it away. Thanks a lot, Nikki, and thanks again for having me back on. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, how important international connections are and especially how it leads to peacemaking, um, especially for future generations. Uh, I'm from Evansville. So if you're watching from Evansville, I feel like I grew up in an area where most kids didn't have passports and haven't been out of the area and haven't traveled. And I think it starts at home to teach your kids about this. So I have kind of an interesting story from my grandparents on my dad's side. My grandpa uh, grew up in Piopolis, Illinois, which was a tiny, tiny farm community in Southern Illinois. They spoke German in his family. And during World War II, he was traveling um, with the U.S. Army because he was drafted. And in his last year, he was stationed in Southampton, um, England. So Southampton is where the Titanic, um, a lot of people relate Southampton to the Titanic. So he was stationed there in June of 1945. And he met my grandmother who grew, she was born in Hong Kong, but she her family grew up in, um, in Southampton. So she... Um, she and my grandpa met one summer evening, and they ended up getting married three months later in Southampton in September of 1945. The war continued on, so of course my grandpa had to finish out his um, his term, and then he he went back to Piopolis, Illinois. So my grandmother gets a letter from uh, from the army. On it was dated May 14th, 1946. However, she did not receive it until June 11th, 1946. Basically, telling her she had one week to pack up all her stuff up to 200 pounds and to get on a ship to go to the US so she can be with her husband. So she gets on the ship on June 17th, 1946. She does not get to New York City Grand Central Station until July 1st. So I just can't imagine leaving all of my, leaving my family behind, leaving, um, you know, in England, they actually had working toilets and stuff. Little did she know she was going to end up on a farm without houses. So she, and then to actually take a ship to get to um, Piopolis or to get to New York City. Then she traveled by train for two days from New York City to Chicago, down to Carmi, Illinois, and then to, um, it was called Dahlgren. And she arrived on June 3rd. However, back then there was not telephones, there was not email, there's not WhatsApp, or anything. So my grandfather had no idea my grandma was coming. And he had to go, for some reason, he had to pick up a priest that day. And the way the mail was, I think the mailbox was like a mile or two from his house. So he didn't check the mail very often. And he went to go pick up his 
the priest and he decided to stop at the mailbox that day. And there's a telegram stating that my grandma is going to be at the, at the train station that day within like an hour or two. And if you can imagine the surprise. So the priest tells my grandpa, oh, go get your wife, go pick her up and everything. So he picks her up. And we've asked my grandma in the past, what would happen if my grandpa did not get that letter? And she said, I guess I would have gone back to England. And this wasn't something that would happen. I mean, this, this is something that did happen frequently, because what we were told is there were several soldiers who were already married or had wives over here, or they got remarried again, even though they had war brides um, across the country. So just to just to have that little incident, I was I just thought that was amazing because had my grandmother left, my dad and his brothers and sisters would not be here. I would not be here. My kids would not be here. You know, um, it, it's just really crazy to think about that. And then 16 years later, my grandma had the opportunity to take her five children to England for four months um, during the summertime. So my grandpa worked at me Johnson here in the lab and he could not take off all that time. So he drove my grandma and the five kids all the way to New York City so they could get on a plane to go visit um, my grandma's family in England. And I, those kinds of stories to me were always so fascinating to me when I was growing up. And also the fact that my grandpa spoke German. So when I was um, when I was born, decades later, my grandma would always tell me um, she she tried to foster a relationship with me and my cousin, who also lives in Southampton, England. We're six months apart, so she would constantly have me. Um, we were pen pals and we would write to each other maybe twice a year and it wasn't and she always told me she would she would always tell me she was like my my wish is that you and Nikki will eventually meet up and meet up in person and that you go to England and see where I grew up and see where your great-grandparents grew up so I've always had this international this curiosity to really learn more um, about my history and about other um, cultures as well. So my grandmother unfortunately passed away when I was 16. And a year later, my cousin Nikki flew um, with her sister and brother and her parents over to the to the U.S. for the very first time. And that was such a, a great experience to see her. I've then flew to Germany with my German class the following year, and I started taking German in sixth grade all the way through through college, um, just because I was so fascinated with that. And then um, also when my kids were born, I wanted to really, I got them passports. So I got them passports when they were born and I always made sure to take that. I wanted them to see that there's other cultures, there's other places in this great big world. And if they choose to stay here, it's their choice. So um, 
So we went on Disney cruises. We, I took them to the Dominican Republic, um, different places like that. So um, anyway, I had a life-changing event because I kept thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, I need to go to England. That's that's what my grandma kept telling me. I need to go to England. So in June 2012, right after my first um, marathon that I had ran, uh, my cousin reached out to me and said, hey, Pearl Jam's playing at the Isle of Wight Music Festival here off of um, Southampton. We can just take a ferry there and you you should come visit. Pearl Jam's my ultimate favorite um, bands. So I took that as a sign and I flew out there. I had not seen her since I was 16. And at this time I was 33. So I was, um, I was a little nervous. I, I flew by myself and, and I got to Heathrow airport and in London. And I was like, gosh, you know, what am I doing? I haven't seen my cousin and, you know, 20 years or whatever, am I going to know what she looks like? Stuff like that. Um, we had the best month ever when I was there. We had so much similarities, so much in common, um, even though we were, you know, a whole, what do they call it? A whole pond apart or whatever. So, um, so anyway, it was time for me to return back to Evansville and I had joined YPA and we were looking at the Ford Center. So the Ford Center had just been built here. And I met this, I met this woman. She just kind of glowed. She had this glow to me. And she handed me her business card and she said, Hey, you should join Rotaract next. Um, we meet Thursday for lunch. And I just took that chance to to meet her or to to go to this Rotaract luncheon. And I was used to YPA. YPA is very network heavy. And, um, I was looking for something just to inspire me a little bit more, um, to give back to, to do some service. So I went to Rotaract and I was just blown away. Everybody had this service heart, but they also had this drive for international culture. And I found out that Rotaract was part of this global network. Um, Rotaract is a rotary club that's for young professionals that are 35 and younger. So I, I joined that. And while I was um while I was a board member, I was the rotary liaison. So I sat on the rotary board with um with Evansville Rotary. I ended up getting an email from the board and it said, we have this global project. We have a ribbon cutting. It's in Tism in Mexico. And we donated all these computers for this computer lab for these kids that live in this village. And I need two people to go. And it could be last minute, it's within a week. So I volunteered and I said, you know, listen, I said, I know I'm not an official board member as I'm or I'm not an official Rotarian because I'm in Rotaract, but I do have a valid passport and I have vacation days to use and I can use them, you know, as soon as possible. So if nobody else wants to go, please let me know. 
the ironic thing is, is a week before I got that email, my dad and I were driving up to Indianapolis because I would take my son. My son's dad lived in Columbus, Ohio, and that was our drop off point. And I was telling my dad, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be in a different country right now. And he looked at me and he said, you have two kids. There's no way you can just up and leave the country. And and I was like, no, not permanently. I just feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere else right now. Um, not permanently, just for a short amount of time. So after I sent that email, two weeks later, I get an email back uh, from Pepper, who was our, uh, who was the Rotary president. And she said, hey, book your ticket for Monday. We're leaving. I chose to, I'm choosing to take you with me to this ribbon cutting. And I was so, ex I was so ecstatic about it. So I booked my ticket with her and it was a tremendous adventure. Um, it's not like going to, it's not like you're on vacation and you're going to Cancun, you're going into these villages. So you're actually seeing what is really going on. And, and that's what I enjoyed about England as well. I was with my family. So I was living at their places. I was eating what they were cooking. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole different thing to be in a different country and be able to get immersed in their culture. Um, one thing that I found out that was the hardest thing for me is I don't speak Spanish. Uh, Pepper does not speak Spanish either. So the communication was very, uh, was very difficult for us. Um, what I was told eventually was that smiles go a long way and expressions go a long way as well if you don't speak the same language. So um, it was, it was only four days, but it seemed like it was a week. It was just so, or I mean, it seemed like it was more like two or three weeks. We did so much stuff. We, um, we had the ribbon cutting. We toured some of their, um, their colleges. We had meetings with their government officials we toured some of their schools to see what their needs were uh, for the future so we can help them out. This year, um, as president, I wanted to bring back this global partnership with them. So we just finished a Chromebook project where we donated 600 Chromebooks that um, they're actually hitting um, to some in today, and then they have to go through customs and, and these kids will have Chromebooks. And, and I'm talking about these kids live in their little huts with, um, their huts with, it's not like normal buildings that we would have with all the air conditioning and, and stuff like that. So, so it's really exciting to, to see these different cultures. So then, um, a little bit later, this was after I transitioned into be, to Rotary to be a full Rotarian instead of a Rotaract, um, I got a message saying uh, an opportunity to host, um, to host a TV crew at my house for Rotary. It was called the Monarch Marathon. And basically what it was is it was a reality show 
they were doing a full marathon from, or not a full marathon, but they were doing, um, they were following the migration path of the monarch butterfly from Canada to, um, to Mexico. And they were having people run this whole entire, um, this whole entire length. And they needed, they were stopping at places along the route. So they needed people to, to host them. So, so their costs would be less. And at the same time, they're doing a reality show with this. And it was just a, we do a lot of environmental um, projects as well. So I volunteered to host them. And that was, that was super amazing because we, I met Rotarians from, from Canada and Mexico, as well as Europe. They had, um, they had a chef from Europe that was, that was along with them. And I'm going to fast forward to, um, we also had, there's also this thing called the international convention, which are like world peace conventions for Rotary. So in 2019, I saw that it was going to be in Hamburg, Germany. So I wanted to really take advantage of this. Um, when you go, when you register for the international conventions, you download an app and everybody that attends the, the convention, they each have a profile and you can schedule meetings with them while you're there, dinner, whatever. Um, anyway, I had lots of invitations and in Rotary is usually more, um, you know, post-retirement age. But I had one person, Stefano, who was from Italy. He was a pharmacist. I believe he was like 35 or something at the time. And he reached out to me and I, I did accept, um, I accepted a dinner invitation from him. So I go to, um, I was only supposed to go to Germany, but my flight was canceled out of Charlotte. They weren't going to be able to get me there for three days. So I told them to fly me anywhere in Europe and I get there. Um, so they, they flew me to Ireland the next day and then to London. So the good thing about that is I got to, to visit my family for a couple of days and then I made it through eight different countries and then to by myself and um, to that I ended up in Hamburg, I um, I stayed with my district governors, which was really a great learning experience for me. A district governor in Rotary is like the head person ahead of um, you know thirty five clubs in in a specific state or area. So then, um, so she was, she was awesome. She taught me so much about Rotary and I, I was glad to have her help me show, show me the ropes because I was not prepared to be in an environment with 25,000 people from over 200 countries and all the different languages. It was very overwhelming. Um, I did finally meet Stefano, um, a couple a, a day or two in to the convention. And that has been a life-changing connection for me because this was in 2019 and then COVID happened. So we had to go to all e-meetings and he ended up inviting me to be, um, to attend his meetings in Italy. Um, he, he had me on panels. He just included me in a lot of the European district 
um, meetings, stuff like that. Um, so then this past year, we went to Houston. Houston was our international convention. And I was kind of bummed because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in the U.S. I'm not going to have as many European connections. And Stefana was like, hey, I'm going to come to to Houston. Can you help me? Um, can you help me with U.S. culture, stuff like that? I believe that was the first time you had been in the U.S. I said, sure. Um, so I did things like got him a SIM card before he could, before he came down. Um, so while we were there, he said, he was like, oh, my friends, Lena, Miko, and Thor, they're all coming in and want to have dinner and they want to meet you. They were from Sweden, Finland, and Norway. And I said, okay. And um, so I met them. I met um, several people from Ukraine, several Rotarians from other parts of Europe. And we just hit it off so well. Um, so fast forward a couple of months later, Lena and I, uh, Lena was from Sweden. So she has kept in contact with me and she was like, I think you would be awesome. And this is called the International Cocktail Group for Rotary. So I decided to join that. And there's 44 Rotarians in there. Um, there's no more than two people from each country. And I have learned so much about different cultures from that group. Um, they're very caring. The The guy who started it is from Israel. And on my birthday, he actually called me on WhatsApp. So it was kind of nice to have a phone call. And we have monthly Zoom meetings and we have a WhatsApp group that is pretty active daily. So um so anyway, and like our big thing is we're hoping once the Ukraine war is over that Lena and Stefano and Mariana from Serbia and I can all travel to uh to Ukraine and help help do some rebuilding of their their community. So um and just to give you a little bit of some numbers with Rotary International their global values is to promote peace, to save mothers and children, provide clean water, grow local economics, supporting education, fighting disease, and supporting the environment. And there's 1.4 million members worldwide. So there's 387,000 in Asia. There's 337,000 in US, Canada, and the Caribbean. There's another 300,000 in Europe, in Africa, and then there's like 100,000 in South America. Um, Great Britain and Ireland have their own area, which is about 50,000. And then there's 34,000 in Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands. So this coming summer, um, the International Convention is in Australia, and I'm bringing my youngest son with me. So um, so anyway, so we're really excited about about doing that. So I just so I, I wanted to put a plug in for Rotary. And then so also um, when you're talking to your kids and talking to them about the world, um, you know, it's so important to get them to to explore and to be curious about other cultures and and really because when you meet somebody from a different culture and you form this this friendship for example 
we have an international mentoring program. We're partnered with USI with it. My first semester, I had a German student and, you know, that was kind of normal for me. Um, the next semester, they gave me a Pakistani student and I was a little worried and she has taught, she taught me so much. Um, we talk almost, we talk weekly on social media now that she's back in Pakistan. Um, the third semester, I had another Pakistani student who was amazing and introduced me to other international students. And then this semester, I have a Russian student. So it's just, um, you know, it's great because you have sometimes the media can be like, these people are evil. These people are awful. But when you actually meet them and you put a face to them and they're friendly to you and you form this connection and this bond, I feel like you think differently and there's that, um, that stereotype goes away. So, um, so anyway, so I just, I just wanted to kind of tell my story about how I got so internationally and globally involved, um, you know, I, I love our community. I love Evansville, but I also love Europe and I love, you know, we're, we're all people. We all live on this planet together. So, um, so anyway. Well, I absolutely love all of that. Um, as you and I both know, I love to internationally travel and I just think that the world is such a big place and we have to, we just have to love and respect each other across the world and that takes getting to know each other so thank you so much for sharing your story and your unbelievable life carrie um if anybody has any questions about these experiences or getting involved or, or doing something similar uh they can feel free to message me through the podcast or um, they can message carrie directly um but yeah i'm sure she'd be more than happy to answer any questions you guys might have so carrie thank you again and thank you everyone for listening have a great rest of the day Thank you, Nikki.